Are you a sheep? No. You're a dragon. Be a dragon. This is for all the girls who grew up without strong geek role models to help them discover their geek dreams. For everyone who's ever been quizzed about their video game knowledge because girls don't play, girls games. Don't play games. Geek Hearing is working to bring female identifying geeks into their prime to be the role models, dreams and voices. Are you ready for this? Welcome to Geek Herring, a critical geek culture podcast where we talk the good and the bad parts of being a chick in a male-dominated environment. I'm Amanda. And hi, I'm Monica. And this week, we are recapping all the best geek girl in the news articles from the month of October 2018. Oh, it's really nice that you added the year because we're going strong. In five years, we will look back. (laughs) Be like, what was happening? in October 2018. <laughs> I really like that idea. Now we have to do a comparison episode then in five years. Sounds good. I'll be there for it. All right, Monica, how's your week been? What's new? What's new? All these questions. The week is not long yet. It's Tuesday, so nothing much happened. <laughs> but we released our episodes on Friday, so it's been a whole week since our last episode. I have a lot of new geeky books that I ordered from Sam Max, which we hopefully do an episode about soonish. She got married, by the way. So congratulations, Sam Max, on getting married. Yay, <laughs> that counts as geek girl that news. Does. <laughs> what about you over there? I have two bits of notable news for myself. I went to the Kingston Comic Con on Sunday. I had a whole bunch of geeks and got some cool earrings and random merchandise and just had a pretty cool time. Saw my childhood clown friend from a distance. I didn't go up and see her or meet her or anything. Every Anytime I went past, there was quite a few people at our booth, but it was cool to see her in person. And I was like, oh my God. Clown yeah. friend? Yeah, from the big comfy couch I mentioned on a previous episode. Well, I had no idea that she was a clown, actually. Yeah, she was a clown. It was <gasps> such an awesome show. <laughs> I thought it, she was uh, the voice artist. I mean, that I remember, but I didn't realize that she's actually a clown. A big comfy couch, and she is a clown, and she has two dolls, Molly, and I don't remember the other one's name. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, so it was cool this year from afar. You didn't go up and go all... towards her no i didn't fangirl well i fangirled a little bit but from around the corner (laughs) that's enough (laughs) that's enough i'm not good at meeting famous people i get nervous and i'm like tongue in my mouth (laughs) i'm very sad that people didn't see your facial expression right now because it was amazing (laughs) (laughs) oh nice and in general did it have a specific theme or anything no, um, it was host Pop Culture Canada, which is kind of a smaller group that puts on Comic-Cons across Southern Ontario. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a huge fan expo or anything. It's just small, local, geeky vendors, loads of comic books, um, some cosplay, and just like a small venue. This was in a university gymnasium, for example. It was not huge, but but it was cool. It was it was a lot of fun. Nice, especially when there's merch. Merch yeah. is always amazing. I got some <laughs> cool things. You sent me the Lego thing in the rocket. That's amazing already. <laughs> oh my gosh. The guy that was selling the Lego merchandise, or the, all the Lego bits, was so passionate about Lego. 
he only started collecting in March and he talked to us for it must have been about 15 or 20 minutes about how Lego has changed his life, what each of the pieces means, how some of them are rare, how you can find out through the little Ninjango packs what type of Lego is in there. Oh, it was intense. We were like, wow. And he so only just- like stuff like that since March? Yep, since March and he must have been eh, in his 50s. So I think that's a pretty good example of it's never too late to find your geeky passion. That's very true. I had no idea that there was an actual science to Lego. I don't know if it's a science so much as an obsession. And then my other geeky news is I finished the Robin Hobb book series last night that I have been reading for five years. And this was the very last book in the trilogy, well, in, in, in the entire series. And I stayed up until... Well, after two in the morning, then I had to excuse myself from the bedroom and go to the kitchen and have a little cry. Oh, I'm only in the third trilogy now, so you cannot be like, this is going to end in me crying. Well, we all know it's going to end. I knew it was going to end. I put off reading this book for over a year because I didn't want it to end. But then I I was like, I'm just going to read it. And I cried. I cried a lot. I'll not say more than that, but Robin Hobb, I just want to give you a shout out. Thank you for creating this series that has had such a huge impact on my life. Aww. I'm really curious. Now I have to read quicker. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know what you say because when we compared it to Harry Potter, which I mean, it's for its own, right? But because you said the world that she created, JK built a world within seven books. But Robin Hobb built an entire world in I don't know how many books. I think it's up to 20. Which is simply amazing. Yeah, and these books are all over 800 pages. Oh, yeah. There is a lot of thought. That doesn't mean that JK stuff is not amazing because I still feel for me, maybe because the age I started to read Harry Potter was, I was a teenager back then, so I was easily influenced also. So it made a big impact on my life back then. The Robin Hobb books are amazing. I'm not sure if I have the same connection, even though I read them and I think it's like, wow, to make up all of that, the entire world is just amazing. But just because I'm maybe not as influential right now it's not that I feel as if this is a life-changing book for me so it's an amazing series and it's the first kind of series that I'm reading where I'm like really into it again Mm -hmm. I still it doesn't kick Harry Potter off its throne that's fair I think it was only actually at the end of the the Tawny Man trilogy which is the one that you've just started yeah I really started to get super super emotionally invested in it (laughs) (laughs) that means a lot of crying for me (laughs) soonish you'll yeah yeah there was time that I was like crying on the train quite a few times because I used to read it to and from work when I took the train so I'm an easy crier for stuff like that I mean when I get things because to be honest I didn't get for a while this series was actually dead it took me another chapter (laughs) that was because of the lack of English skills or I wasn't 100% sure what a veil means. I had an idea, but I wasn't entirely sure. And I had no idea that it was lethal. So I just read it and I was like, well, yeah, he went behind that veil. What could have happened? But then the next chapter, I realized that I just missed the most important part of the book. (laughs) Okay. I don't think you're alone. I'm pretty sure I did that too. I was like, what do you mean he's dead? And I had to go back and read it. (laughs) 
No, he just went through a veil. He didn't die. He just went through a veil. I was like, went back and read it again. I was like, oh. Yeah. I get things. Yeah. Slowly, but I get things. <laughs> awesome. So a lot of chit-chat this episode. I think we can just deep dive into what we're talking about in this episode. About geek girls in the news. Dun, dun, dun. So a bit of background on Geek Girl in the News, since this is our first one. We're going to be doing a monthly segment, recapping all the news stories from the past month that have either made us go, yay, geek girls, or, oh my god, did that actually happen? Yes. So stories that are on both sides of, of the geek girl culture. We hit like, the entire spectrum. Awesome. And you did amazing research amanda after being sat in the kitchen she did amazing research and found a lot of awesome articles that we're going to talk about today yes i'm going to start because i'm really excited about this first article we are heading into the hooverse and talking about the record doctor who rankings that prove that jodie whittaker brings big audiences i'm so excited so excited so for me, Doctor Who has always been something that my friends were really obsessed with and mm. I never got into because I mentioned in previous shows that I didn't have a lot of time in high school to watch TV. So Doctor Who started, must have been 2002 or three, maybe four, with Christopher Eccleston and my friends were, were properly obsessed with him. And then when David Tennant came out, oh my goodness, they were even more obsessed, like talking about him all the time. I never watched them until a few years ago and I got all of nine done and half of 10. And then I kind of lost my interest again, as you do. Can I just ask a question here? Of course. So, since you outed yourself as somewhat not Whovian, I'm not entirely Whovian either. I- <laughs> I just knew that they existed. I've watched a few episodes of Nine. But my question is actually, when you say the numbers of the Doctors don't go with the seasons they have, right? So there were more seasons with David Tennant than there were with David Eccleston, for example. Christopher. Christopher. Oh, the David Eccleston, isn't that a Formula One driver or something? I have no idea. (laughs) Whatever. Um, Yeah, uh, number nine, Christopher Eccleston. He had one season, and I think David Tennant had three seasons. Ah, okay. So, yeah just however many seasons per doctor kind of works out probably depends on popularity yeah probably but i and i think monica as well have been amongst these record breaking oh, yeah. audiences for the 13th doctor jodie whittaker she has been getting the highest ever debut ratings at 10.8 million viewers and this is record breaking viewers that haven't been seen since david tennant's debut back in 2005 which is pretty amazing pretty freaking amazing yeah pretty freaking amazing <laughs> yeah so whether this has something to do with jodie being the first female doctor whether this has something to do with the show being moved to a Sunday night instead of a Saturday night, so more people are watching it live. Mm. Could be a combination, but what we do know is that she's wowing us all. As I mentioned, I haven't really watched a lot of Doctor Who, so I started a few episodes of Nine, and then I was like, "Uh, I don't know. It was so old already that it felt kind of outdated, so it was weird. The episodes I saw, they were kind of strange, I was like, I'm not sure if I want to keep watching that. And I didn't have proper access to it because it just had released it a bit on, I think, Netflix, but not everything. And then I had no idea. It was all a bit kind of mad. Then I saw Jodie Whittaker on the Graham Norton show. 
<laughs> and I was like, this woman is freaking amazing. I want to see what she's doing because I had no idea who she was, but she was so hilarious already in the Graham Norton show. I was like, this can only be really entertaining. And then I started to watch the first episode and I was, I found it amazing. And she really wowed me away actually. And I must say that I think BBC is doing an amazing job in general with how they made her the doctor by mentioning it, but not really making a big deal out of it as if it's just the nor most normal thing ever. So that was just simply awesome how just a few side comments where you just crack up because you're like, come to daddy um mommy and stuff like that doesn't even matter right that one was really funny <laughs> yeah I really like that and I think also in general I mean I don't know how the previous doctors were in that regard or in general how BBC does in that regard I just know that our national television is not that great when it comes to all things LGBTQ related or people with disabilities or all stuff like that so they should be educating so they have the Our national television needs to educate people, but I don't think they're doing a really good job with it. Whereas the BBC, I think, does an incredible job with normalizing things that seem out of the ordinary for so many people. Because also in one episode that I watched, there was just one exchange between two cast members where one said, my wife died because of those people. And there was a woman saying, mine too. Only that sentence meant so much to so many people because it's just one sentence, but it the, was the most normal thing in, by her just saying that. So I was like, BBC, pat yourself on the back. You're doing a really great job with all of that. Yeah, I have to agree. And it's not just for LGBTQ plus um, inclusivity. Yeah. One of the companions in this season actually has a disability. He's got dyspraxia. Mm -hmm. And my brother-in-law has dyspraxia. Mm -hmm. And my mother-in-law, she hates Doctor Who. She is terrified of the Daleks. And every time she hears the intro music, she kind of leaves the room. Or if there's Daleks on the screen, she... Well, she, she is properly scared. Like, it's not anything. Like, <laughs> little. She's properly scared. And for the first time in its history, basically, she is sitting down in front of the TV watching because they are representing dyspraxia on the big screen. Seriously, and, that's so yeah, awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome to see the just the little nods that they're giving to these communities that aren't yeah. represented on TV. Yeah. And there they are. I think... Probably not only because of Jodie Whittaker and, and her being a female doctor, but I think in general they do a really great job with representing marginalized groups and normalizing it all. Mm -hmm. Because by just it being part of a Sunday evening show, that's what makes it so important. It doesn't even matter. They talk about him having dyspraxia in the first episode and then that's it. But it's just that they mention it without making a big thing out of it. It's just incredibly well done. I totally agree with you. I think that we'll stop talking about Doctor Who there because yeah. we don't want to give too many spoilers away because at the end of the season, we are going to do an entire episode dedicated to Doctor yes. Who. Yes, there will be a lot more to say then. Okay, um, so we're moving on to the hottest new Netflix series, Sabrina. I love how you introduced it. The hottest. <laughs> It is. Everybody's talking about this new Sabrina the Teenage Witch 
Netflix series. It's done in the same style as, as Riverdale, which has been a huge success. It's just released its third season. I've been enjoying this, uh, Riverdale immensely. Haven't been watching this the new season because Marvel Marathon and all that. Um, <laughs> haven't been able to catch this new uh, season of Sabrina, but I'm blown away by it. I'm like, whoa, Sabrina's back and she's badass. So is it already released on Netflix? A stupid question. It is, yeah. It came out um, last week or the week before. The only thing I saw from that was a trailer where I was like, what is happening here? <laughs> yeah, right? So this article, it's called Hex Appeal, How Netflix Sabrina Taps into the Rising Feminist Passion for Witches. Sounds catchy. So there really is a rising feminist passion for witches. It's something that's been coming up. So many of my friends and acquaintances on Instagram are embracing witchcraft and that kind of natural feminist side of them. I recently connected with another, a host of another podcast that's all about witches through the years and it takes a feminist view on them. So the fact that Netflix and Sabrina are tapping into this, I think is very current. It's very popular and it's very needed right now mm -hmm. for something in popular culture to be representing this side of feminist witchcraft. I mean, if we look at the history of witches in general, those were always the ones who were kind of out of the ordinary and didn't do the norm and and didn't work with the rules that they were given and that's where they cursed them as witches and they were probably the most open-minded they were a symbol for the more open-minded females that took advantage or took their own life into their own hands which was practically not possible in the medieval times i would say and that's why it totally makes sense to make the connection between feminism and witchcraft i think mm -hmm. but i had no idea because i only saw the trailer right of the new sabrina series and when i read the article that you put there i had no idea that it was actually again such a showrunner kind of thing with having a non-binary best friend and stuff like that i was like i had no idea this is so amazing Again, representation is so important, considering that there are politicians out there who try to take rights away from our transgender friends and stuff like that. So I'm like, fuck yeah, put it out there. Yeah, 100%. Like when I read that there is a non-binary character in this show, I was, it just was so perfect, especially because, like you say, of current events. And there's a lot of hatred going towards our transgender and non-binary friends right now. Mm -hmm. And it's bullshit. Why is this happening? Yeah. So by normalizing it in more TV shows, the conservative population is going to see, oh, there are just people. Like, there's nothing to hate them for. Yeah. It's a nice trend that you can see it happening more and more. I mean, probably still not enough. But again, there are steps in the right direction. Steps in the right direction is, is probably what we can all we can ask for right now yeah is, as sad as it is i don't know if the world's ready for a leap in the right direction yet but we're getting there we need to step forward not run away yeah so there's a few lines in this article that i actually want to read out so the word witch has been reclaimed the witch was its central symbol accessed as one of its pamphlets explained by being female untamed angry joyous and immortal i think that's a really class description of witch and feminism and what we want out of this world how we want to go forward yeah by embracing all of our sides i mean mm -hmm. maybe not the angry one i mean anger is just a feeling that shows you that there is something wrong so it's not always a negative emotion so it's just important to embrace all of this exactly. 
Exactly. And this article concludes then that with its hip soundtrack, Retrofeel and Intersectional Feminism, which obviously we talked about in a few episodes ago, the chilling adventures of Sabrina reflects this new millennial face of witchcraft. I am so curious. I really want to watch it now. I know. I'm so excited. Um, I'm definitely making it a priority on on my watching list. Yeah, there's a lot to do there. There is a lot to do there, yeah. I'll, I'll try to get this in somewhere <laughs> along with rewatching Buffy and rewatching Firefly and it's okay. I'll just be glued to the TV. The long drives and long flights uh, ahead of you, so... Yeah, we'll figure something out. <laughs> there is time. Awesome. Then we go from two pretty awesome articles to not so awesome one. A short disclaimer right now, it's not particularly dealing with girly stuff in the news but it's also something that's pretty interesting and about marginalized groups so apparently we all everybody knows the simpsons right everybody knows the simpsons everybody has seen at least one episode of the simpsons and everybody knows apu our lovely apu nahasa bima petilon <laughs> i don't know if that's actually his name in all of the languages but that's how we pronounce him in austria is a Pretty big recreation of the, the stereotype of an Indian person, which not everybody loves and enjoys for obvious reasons. So there are a lot of ways that um, the writers and the producers of The Simpsons are trying or could potentially try to resolve this problem in 2018. And this article had a few different approaches to this issue. So one of them was get rid of Apu by killing him. Yeah, it could cause quite a few problems just killing a character off like that just because i don't know what else to do with him right i am cannot address the elephant in the room so i'm gonna kill the elephant <laughs> yeah their, their other suggestion which seems to be the one that they might actually go with is just stop writing his character like he just disappears from the script which is all is, like, is that any better i don't think so no i don't think so no i really don't think so for me, the general question arises always because it's also not the only series where uh, they hit the stereotypes like that. So if you think about the 70s show, the Indian guy is always speaking in this very Indian accent that's being all stereotypically Indian as if every Indian person on this planet reacts like that. And the same thing goes for me a bit for Raj in Big Bang Theory. It's still charming and nice and everything. But Why? You, you bring up a good point. Um, there's the Aziz Ansari show, Master of None. And he, mm -hmm. in the show, he always is interviewing and auditioning. He's an actor in the show and he's auditioning. And he's auditioning for like the main character roles. And he keeps getting offered these Indian stereotype roles. And, he's, and he says, like, why? I don't have an Indian accent. I have an American accent. Why do I need to put on this Indian accent in order to play an Indian man? He's like, yeah. I am an Indian man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't need to put on an accent to be an Indian man. I find it often really unnecessary because is that embracing the Indian culture? It isn't really. No, not really. It's no. <laughs> so, and then back to Apu. So Hank Azaria He is the voice of Apu amongst quite a few other characters. In an interview, he said that he would happily step aside from the role. He would be more than happy to search for a new voice talent, especially someone from, from Southeast Asia to, to replace himself, so that you're actually getting somebody of the race playing the character, which... Because, as we might need to add, he's this... Straight white man. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> He's like not very 
Apple-like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then his other his other point is is that he would encourage a more diverse range of writers on the show because representation is important. This is akin to intersectional feminism, which we do talk about quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Having that diversity, having that representation as writers and as the characters that you're creating is. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really important to get accurate representation. And especially, I mean, I know that The Simpsons are made in a way that it doesn't matter what season you watch. It always starts with the status quo, right? So there is always, you can watch every season, every episode, and most of the time, every episode is a thing for itself. But that doesn't mean that they cannot make changes with the cast or with how characters are represented because some people also died. Flanders' wife, she died. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not in, in the series anymore. And what did they mention? The one that always kills people or Sideshow si- 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 Bob no. or Sideshow Stu? One of, the si- one, of the, one of the Mellor Bobs. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't relevant for the show anymore, so they got rid of them. But what I mean is when you can get rid of characters, you can also change characters. And since The Simpsons are on since 89, <laughs> and yeah, it's now 30 years. 2018... So they could make adjustments to the character and still keep the character as people love and like them, but still embrace their journey in it. All goes to the writing in the end. It does. It, it is all down to the writing and making sure that everything is on point. Yeah. 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 And in order to get to solve this problem, it doesn't help to just brush it under the carpet and pretend as if nothing ever happened. Step up to whatever life is giving you and make lemonade out of your lemons yeah (laughs) who doesn't like lemonade (laughs) probably wasn't a good whatever (laughs) yeah so that simpsons article was called five ways the simpsons could tackle the apu problem and it was actually submitted to the show by tom knight um he he has my boyfriend but he, he submitted it to the show through twitter um, so if you ever get any geek girl in the news topics, you're welcome to send them through to us. So swiftly moving forward to the hashtag not enough campaign. This campaign basically is again, it's all about representation and why it's basically saying there is not enough representation in um, in the world. And this article is called Girls Want and Need More Female Superheroes. Here, here. Telling us what we already know, right? Yeah, totally. (laughs) So this article talks about why it's so important to have role models and relatable characters that kids can look up to of their gender, of their basically emulating what they can be. If you can see her, you can be her. And on the flip side, if you can't see her, you you can't be her. I really love that. If if you see her, you can be her. I like that. Yeah, really good. It's really good. They did a study on how girls feel they are represented in the superhero realm. And do they feel confident about it? Are they brave or are they? do they feel as if they're not listened to? And so it's really important in a way to be out there, to show these superhero girls um, to the girls out there. Because as it happened with the doctor, there are girls out there who have always wanted to be the doctor but never had it in their head as an option to be one because there was just no female doctor out there. And the same thing goes for the superheroes and the superhero women. Also, I personally feel that there is room for improvement for the existing superhero women. True. (laughs) Because, I mean, the article mentions Wonder Woman, Black Panther, 
Jessica Jones and Supergirl. So I must admit I haven't watched Jessica Jones, but phenomenal. Yeah. But she's got a lot of anger issues. <laughs> Okay, uh, but I did watch Supergirl. I obviously watched Wonder Woman and Black Panther. I watched too. I must admit, Supergirl. I'm not impressed. She's this again. It's good that it's a girl, right? But this again, this blonde, straight white woman. She's the cousin of Superman, and she actually came to Earth to take care of him. But because her spaceship got lost in places, she came to Earth after Superman came to Earth. So then she couldn't didn't have to take care of him anymore because he was already older than her. So she was on Earth without a reason. And then she hid in the world as Superman did. And then she decided to also become a superhero. And in a lot of the first episodes, I think I watched quite a few from the first first season, the topic is mostly how she can emulate kind of what Superman did. So it was always, her story was so much in relation to the Superman story that I'm like, she wants to be like her cousin or she doesn't actually, she doesn't want to be like her cousin because she wants to be someone else. But it was always in the story so much in relation to what Superman is or does he come or does he approve or does he not approve? Where I'm like, is it really necessary that this girl needs validation from her male counterpart? Because Mm. she could just own that shit without it making it so dependent on what the man says. So that's kind of what rubbed me the wrong way when I watched that first few episodes. Whereas Wonder Woman, oh, it was amazing. She was so awesome. She was cool. I just found her kind of, she has a bit of a naive approach. And I don't think that that's really necessary because she's a freaking badass. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, like I was sitting in the cinema and I actually had goosebumps at times when I was watching Wonder Woman. Yeah. But at the same time, I was like, but she has absolutely no street sense. Like, yeah. So incredibly naive. And so it's like, she's almost perfect. But, but there's she, just that one part. Like she has the body, but she doesn't have the brains, which is not even true because she has the brains. Her naive approach to life makes her seem as if she doesn't have all her marbles in her head at some point. I'm like, that's, she's a freaking rock star. <laughs> So she doesn't need to behave as if she can't put two and two together in her head. Mm-hmm. I really, really do do like her. And it was probably better in Justice League. Yes. It was a bit better in Justice League because she was with other humans already. So she probably has a better idea of the world around her and has that common sense and street smart. Yeah. Comment. But she's just kind of taking care of all the stupid men. <laughs> I'm like, that's also not entirely necessary all the time. Yeah, but definitely we need more female superheroes. Yeah, 100%. Um, This article quotes stats from the BBC America report, and who doesn't love stats, right? So they they polled female teenagers and male teenagers and asked them how confident they felt, how brave they felt, and how ignored they felt. So female teenagers reported that they were 11% less confident, 13% less brave, and 19% more ignored than their male counterparts. That really sucks. <laughs> that really sucks. Like, that's, that's huge numbers when it comes to representation. Everybody says, because in Australia there's often this issue with, we try to make people gender in the language that they're using. So we have a female 
and a male version of a lot of things in our language. So when we then try in written word in a university, really try to um, make it inclusive for everyone, or at least binary on the binary scale, like let's say male and female. I mean, there is a lot more in between, but first steps first. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is that you have to write both male and female when you write about things or have a gender neutral term. And people go crazy here. Why is it even necessary? Blah, 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 blah. And that's exactly the reason why it's necessary. Because girls feel more ignored compared to their male counterparts. Because girls don't feel as confident as males feel. And girls feel less brave compared to men. You say that that's not necessary, but it is necessary because girls need to see what is possible and it needs to be normal and not something out of the ordinary. It needs to be something that they can see so that they can, as you said, if you can see her, you can be her. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to make this way more visible. I found this article, which was awesome and hilarious and really cool. So students create world's first bricks made from human urine. Yes, you heard correctly. I said urine, I said pee. Yep, making <laughs> bricks from pee. So there was a team of three people, a professor and two students from the University of Cape Town. And one of the students is a female civil engineering student called Suzanne Lambert. And she is on this super small team to make bricks out of pee. I find it pretty hilarious. We probably can't go into the science of this, but it deals with some kind of bacteria that works with the urine and then breaks it down and then produces calcium carbonate from it. And then they can create bricks out of it. And it's like, cheese. the longer you keep it there, the harder the brick gets. So you can get different kinds of hard bricks <laughs> because of the bacteria and because of the pee, which is pretty cool. Really cool. Go science. Go female scientists. Go science. And it's awesome because it's not only because it's made from pee, because that's already really smart as it is, but it's pretty awesome because it's, it reduces the carbon footprint and it's zero waste. And technically, they say it's even negative waste considering what the bricks are made of. So that's pretty epic because if you look at our environment, we need a lot of work. So if yeah. smart, smart people as our awesome Suzanne have awesome ideas and put them into reality, then we have a lot of awesome bricks. And you had another science-y article. The science articles are good because geeks aren't just gamer geeks. There's uh, yeah. all about the STEM technology, STEM as well. So this article was called Geek Girl Gamers Are More Likely to Study Science and Technology Degrees. So this article is talking about how gamer girls are three times more likely to study physical science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, also known as STEM or PSTEM education. So the British Academy did a study of 13 to 14 year old girls. And the outcome of this study was that those girls who played more than nine hours of games per week were more likely to go into one of the STEM fields. Uh, the study was done by Dr. Anissa Hossein uh, at Surrey University. It was pretty awesome in the article. It says she did that research because she's a gamer girl herself. And the study also showed that, and this, this is just awesome, 100% of girls in STEM programs across universities identify as gamers. <laughs> I there think you that's go, awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you always think we don't do anything else. 
But there we are, owning the world, being awesome in science. And I do want to read this quote from Dr. Hussain. And she says, Despite the pioneering work of people like Jocelyn Bell Burnell and Surrey's own Daphne Jackson, the first female physics professor, there are still too few female STEM role models for young people. However, our research shows that those who study STEM subjects at degree level are more likely to be gamers. So we need to encourage the girl gamers of today to become the engineering and physics students and pioneers of tomorrow. I really love that quote. I do too. It's something that, that geek caring is all about. We we are encouraging our girls, supporting our girls, supporting our, our non-binary children to embrace STEM and be geeks and represent themselves throughout their entire career. Yeah, just because it's not out there doesn't mean it's not possible. If you can see it, you can be it. If you don't see it, that doesn't mean that it should limit you when you really feel you want to do it. That's what I tried to say with what I said. In my Sam Max book haul, there's one part of it that's called Wonder Woman. And she wrote about 25 innovators, inventors, and trailblazers who changed history who were all female. A lot of attention is lost in history about how many women actually did amazing things and invented awesome stuff. If you go through the list, you might probably think of way more men than you can think of females. But they are out there, and at one point we will talk about them more, but they just need the visibility too. So that's why I really also like this study that puts the female girls out there way more. And the last article that you put there was pretty amazing. The article you've put on our show notes is called Self-Proclaimed Geeks Unite at Geek Girl Con. So there was a con out there that was only for geek girls. And it was just a few days ago in Seattle. And it was actually founded on the idea of a young girl called Kitty Feliciano. Whatever she's only 11 years old, people. <laughs> 11 years old. And she has founded this convention with the help of her parents. I think it's a while ago now because I stalked them on Instagram and it seems like 2015, they already celebrated five years of Geek Girl Con. Oh, wow. I've stalked their website and I saw the board of directors. Kitty's mom, <laughs> I'm Sharon. She's actually the president of the board and she's a mom to Nathan and Kitty. Kitty is the one who wanted her own con, obviously. She's a geek since birth and she was a spider woman for her first Halloween. And she founded parentinggeekly.com, which is pretty awesome. And she played in a rock band with Will Wheaton once. <laughs> what? That's so cool. <laughs> Apparently she has her own comic shop, but I love that it generally started off with her daughter wanting her own con. So if you want to check out a geek girl con, go to Seattle. Maybe in a few years we will see each other there. Yeah, maybe next year. That would be cool. So that's all the geek girl in the news that we have for October 2018. As I requested halfway through the show, if you see any articles coming up throughout any month, specifically November coming up, send them through to us. You can email them across to us at geekherring at gmail.com. I forgot our email address there. <laughs> uh, you can talk to us on social media. We're at geekherring across Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or you can submit them through an iTunes review. We want to celebrate that we got our first iTunes review. Woo! So this comes from Acid Tears, and you can also find him at Acid Tears on Twitter. And he says, 
as a consumer of many different types of podcasts, some that are objectively not the greatest, I can say with complete honesty that this is one worth your time. Ah, it's so cute. I'm so, so excited. Yeah. Thanks Thank so you much. so much. As a you are a fantastic person and we adore you. Yes, we do. Especially when you have socks in your pocket. Um, <laughs> Acid Tears is one of the hosts on Nerd This podcast. So definitely uh, pop over and check them out as well. If you want to hear five dudes talking nerd stuff. Which is pretty epic to be honest. I'm really enjoying yeah. that. So it's go really and show. listen to that. So that is what we have for you this week. So I've already told you where you can find us on social media. You can also support us on Patreon. And you can find us on our website, geekcaring.com. If you like this episode of Geek Caring, why not leave us an iTunes review? You can also find us on social at Geek Caring and over on geekcaring.com. This show is brought to you by Dragon Powered Studio. Find more at dragonpoweredstudio.com.